0: Hello, my name is Taylor Clement. and I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School.
1: And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School.
0: All right. Well, today is our summer catch-up episode and also kind of our really beginning to the semester as we get ready to talk about what's been happening, what will be happening, and... All the stuff that goes into the summer. One of my favorite lines is when people ask me, do you work over the summer? Um, I know the faculty don't have to work over the summer, even though many of them are up here. I work a lot during the summer, um, as do you. But it's just, it's one of those things where we do a lot in the summer that you don't really get to until the fall. You don't really get to see the fruits of those labors.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like it's the behind the scenes kind of prep work. And it's funny, you know, the first couple, like really all of August for us and in, in our admin position is crazy crazy oh yeah um it's like preparing for you know christmas um you know as parents it's like it's crazy for you and then once it hits it's like now we just get to kind of sit back for That's a exactly couple right. weeks everything's and everything's wrapped and everything yeah we've yep. got every everybody doing their thing so now i feel like we're starting to um coast down that hill
0: Oh, I would, that's a that's a really good way to put it. It August is nuts for me, and and I would say our family particularly, and we've had to kind of work and adjust through through those norms over the years. But how do we do things? Uh, how do we do life in August? We kind of don't really.
1: Uh, oh, totally. Everything gets put off. Yes. Right? September
0: yes. September and really Labor Day, like Labor Day weekend, is my. One of my favorite yes. holidays now because it's like this major de-escalation point. Exactly. Yeah. But we're bringing up all of this because uh, we've had some really big changes this year. And every year brings change, and, and that's no surprise. But I think one of the things that has resonated uh, with me so much is the Winston Churchill quote. and I mean, this is kind of an axiom in general, but he, he quoted it so he gets to, to be famous for it. And that's, you know, you never let a crisis go to waste. And what COVID did for me, I would say, as a leader of a school, is it really exposed what was working well, what wasn't working, and then those there's, there's just kind of components that need to change. And when you make such a seismic shift like we did last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. and certain, I would say, things still aren't working or there's some, some adjustments that you need to make, it really just kind of highlights those in a different light, which I needed to see, and, and I think we all do at times. And so on one hand, it was, it was really humbling. On another hand, it was really motivating. But we'll talk a, a little bit about some of the changes that, that are exciting and typical and some that are just different, and there, there's nothing wrong there. Change is great for an organization, but uh, we'll start there, and then we'll go to your favorite subject, Maria, um, that you went to graduate school for that you, as a small child, were just thinking about constantly. Dreaming of, dreaming every day. Dreaming of, and that is COVID, yes. Um, yes. Yes, uh, so I, Mike, Mike told me that your next dog is going to be <laughs> named COVID, so, and, and if y'all can't agree with COVID, it'll be SARS-CoV-2. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, so we digress there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but we the, will we will touch on that because yeah, it is
1: still a thing. it is still a clearly. thing. it is
0: not over um and then and then lastly, we'll talk about just kind of where the podcast is going and, and and things. so let's start though with changes at kds. we have had a lot of changes, and let's start with the physical because that's the thing that I think everybody notices the most right now, and I would say the first thing is the field
1: oh, uh, I mean, you know I've only this is my I'm going into my fifth year at KDS, so I have not been here as long as, like, Tim Vogel, who remembers praying for the field in, what, 1999, 1998, something like that. But can I just say that field is amazing. It's awesome. And there are, like, actual soccer goals that stay together, and that's huge, too, because, I mean, the first couple years I was here, we didn't even have soccer goals, and so... Lots of fights over whether or not it was was too high, it was too low, too high, too low, too far out of bounds. So, yeah, the field's been awesome. The kids are having so much fun on it, it's really exciting to see.
0: Well, and Something else to, just to consider, uh, if, so those of you that are listening, a few things. Number one, the field was not designed to be a, a normal field. Um, it was designed to be more of a futsal, kind of a small micro field because we wanted to maximize the space that we had but still have enough room for things like carpool and, and other games that the kids want to play on a regular basis. And uh, Something that was very small that's been beneficial is uh, when we restriped a lot this summer, we even added a little kickball. That thing, I mean, I know, it yeah.
1: was worth every single penny. Every and I mean, it's been so helpful. Right. Yes. Right. The fair foul lines, the yeah, the bases. It's awesome.
0: Wait. So are you saying kids need parameters?
1: <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. Right. If the pros need it, the kids need it too, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> Thank you, Mike Schultz. <laughs> um, but that's that's a big part of it, though. Is yeah. is we needed that, but we needed green space, and mm-hmm. like you said, you know, Tim. Tim has been here for a long time, and, and what was sweet is during faculty and service, we were able to take our faculty down there, and we prayed over the field, and we weren't praying over it in this, you know, let's, let's let the, the oil run down the beard of Aaron, Old Testament style, but it was to say, God, we're acknowledging this moment. We thank you for it, and we pray that our kids would be protected because Jeannie and those in the office have dealt with so many bruises, scrapes, broken bones, sprains, anything there because so much has been done on the asphalt and now we have a padded appropriately porous surface yes. that can they can and, take on water
1: and it's flat <laughs> like that's and, the other thing <laughs> and it's
0: flat yes like it is laser yes. measured level yes. yes
1: so which is why there's such a tall retaining wall because we had to level that thing out so yeah. um, if you can imagine prior to that I mean the soccer field was like between you know, that that wall where the uh, the benches are and the trees and kind of the the basketball court down um, further on the what west end of, yes. of the parking lot. And so that's nothing but a hill. Um, so it's really nice to have flat land.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really nice to have have something flat. And truth be told, our, our hope is, is this is just phase one. We'd love to redo the early childhood playground. We'd love to redo the the big playground. Um, we're talking right now as part of a strategic initiative to, to come up with a master plan for our campus with the church. Uh, we're having great discussions and talks, and, and our hope is to do some, some things quickly, but also make sure yeah. that we have some very uh, prudent long-term planning as well. Um, the other big thing that we're getting ready to do is install an awning in the school entrance. And so while most people come in through our east entrance, that's the common entrance between church and school, this back entrance with the school looks, uh, as I would, as some have called it, kind of a pre-prison feel. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, thanks to a donor and thanks to um, some money saved by our finance committee and the board, Uh, we should see within the next week or two uh, a really nice beautification process on on this back area with some planters and an awning and some lights under the awning and really make it much more pleasurable for when parents are walking in their early childhood kids into that kind of gym entrance right next to the office.
1: Which I know all of you are thinking, Taylor, you're like a year too late because how many times did we have to stand out there in the rain and the cold and the snow checking those health screeners? But we have it this year not the hell screeners the the awning so you, yeah, well, as you're shuffling the kids in you don't have to worry about getting as wet
0: thanks <laughs> all i can say is god's timing is perfect yes exactly right, yeah, right?
1: but that is an awesome i think it, awesome addition and it's just going to beautify that space too yeah,
0: yeah it re- it really will and and that's going to be a great thing and then one thing that a lot of parents probably wouldn't notice just off the bat but this has been a really big change has been within our classrooms mm-hmm. So we have consulted with Dr. Bob Dylan. Uh, Yes, Robert Dylan is his name. But Dr. Dylan has been great. He's come in, he's worked with our faculty, and the idea is to create spaces within your classroom that are ideal for student learning. And so he's been working one-on-one and individually with our faculty to really create and maximize space, get rid of clutter, make sure things are streamlined. He's working with our admin team to make sure that we are ordering supplies that are streamlined and then work for the best for the institution but also meet the needs of the individual teacher and that's been a really cool process
1: yeah it's been great and really fun to see those classrooms change in the way that they can because i mean you know we have some restrictions being in the, in the building that we are which we're so thankful to have and he has been able to come in and creatively use the space that we have and it's been it's been such an awesome addition um, just thinking through some of the classrooms, you know, that have really benefited specifically yeah. because maybe they have a weird corner here or a weird cutout there. It's like he's been able to take those spaces and say, this is what you can use to enhance our students' learning and even visually enhance the space.
0: Yeah, and, and it's been great. It's, uh, frankly, the, the fun part is it saved us more money than, yeah. than we've spent. And, and that seems kind of funny, but usually... Uh, what I've learned is, is really two things. Number one, we go space blind very quickly. So quickly. Right. We don't, we don't realize how quickly we go space blind. The second thing, though, is that our teachers and and really schools in general, we think to solve a problem, we add to it. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. says, or excuse me, he says the opposite. He says, that's not what we're trying to do.
1: Which is so great because, I mean, anybody that's been on our campus knows, like, additions aren't you know we're limited um in the in the space that we have so he's been so helpful
0: so that's just a quick overview of of the the physical changes at kds now let's switch into the educational changes so the first thing that we did is we've adopted a new reading curriculum and a standard that we we hold ourselves to is that every um, subject matter, every piece that we teach will be looked at once every five years. And so we do this on a rotational um, schedule. We do it really by overall impact to the student learning and then also cost so that we can budget effectively. And so we'll take two of the cheaper subjects um, and, and also maybe maybe these subjects would typically not be as important in a, in a curricular scale, especially measuring overall student learning. And we'll look at those together one year. We, then we'd form a committee Um, The next year, maybe look at math, which is a very expensive subject, but it's also very comprehensive, and it is a core subject of who we are. So this year, we looked at reading, and we selected um, Hutton Mifflin Harcourts into reading, and they're into literature based upon the the grade, and it's – been a lot of training for our teachers but so far the response has been really good there's some really engaging stories that 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 our kids are learning but the big thing is there's a lot of ways to measure how our kids are doing and I think that's been kind of a story that we've seen Mm -hmm. is at least from our seats is we need more data Mm -hmm. and data is not the answer to everything but it definitely can help you point or help us be pointed in the right direction to to find some answers
1: yeah And the committee looked at that, you know, for an extended period of time and made a decision that that was well informed. And so it'll be fun and exciting to see how that continues to benefit our kiddos moving forward.
0: Yeah. Then uh, one of the things that we also had was we've had a lot of enrollment growth this past year. Uh, To kind of give a a quick example, um, you know, two years ago we had 280 eight kids this year we have 323 uh last year we were about 304 so we've seen significant growth and and it's been very balanced growth which is awesome but that means we've had to add new teachers mm-hmm. some some from a natural organic turnover uh and then some just because we've had growth and we've needed to add them so um yeah. we've got we've got Sheridan Hendrick and Art Elizabeth Holmes and Music Kelly Wood in third grade Kendall Brewer in sixth grade all of them uh, have joined our faculty and staff, and it's been a really cool addition.
1: Yeah, it has, and just, it's always fun to have new people because they bring a different perspective and just kind of a fresh breath of air, and so, and those teachers all come with, with experience and just a heart for teaching, and so it's been exciting to have them in the building and have really enjoyed learning from them. Yeah,
0: and that's, I think, one of the things that I'm always amazed with is when we get a new faculty of just how much work God has done on the back end mm-hmm. that we, we don't see. Yeah. And he's moved mountains in ways that, that we didn't know were even movable or mountains that we didn't even know were there. And yet um, God orchestrates that for us. And that's always a cool testimony to just the faith that God's calling us to. Um, and that's and we see that's, you know, really to, to use the, the good old Southern Baptist term, it's going to see that testified mm-hmm. uh, through that. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. And then I want you to talk about Debbie. Um, yeah. And so we, we've we've shifted admin, but, but go ahead and just talk yeah. about her and the changes there.
1: Yeah. So, um, man, when you talk about enthusiasm and excitement, that is definitely Debbie. Um, it's been awesome to have her join us, and she's joining um, the admin team really to focus on teacher growth. And so one of the things that, I mean, you even see corporately, right, is... Um, Um, Making sure that we are taking time to invest in our teachers so that they can invest in the students. And so we've brought her in to really focus on that and focus on how can we help our teachers grow in teaching their students. How can we look at even our processing uh, or our processes within the building of, of handling students and the uniqueness that they bring and how can we streamline that process, how can we simplify that process, and how can we work with the teacher, the student, and the school um, to, to benefit that child uh, to, so that child's known and loved, so that they're nurtured, educated, and equipped when they leave us. And a huge part of that is obviously the teacher. And so it's been exciting to have her in. She has brought such a, a great spirit of learning and as a teacher. Um, and so that's been really exciting for us to have. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how we, can, we see our teachers continue to grow and develop.
0: Yeah. And Debbie McCracken, uh, who was a sixth grade teacher here last year, she is now our Dean of Faculty and Student Learning. And uh, probably the the task that she has is both taken on, but but really um, asked us to take on just as a, as a whole school is to develop and create simple but sustainable sim- systems. And I know that seems like oh well, those are some good buzzwords, but when you put it into practice, it, it really works. And it so we, you and I, as well as um, the office staff, we did a um, a Six Sigma training. I'm always laugh at Six Sigma because of 30 rock, but we did we did that and we looked at processes, we developed processes, and we've, we've put that into practice, which has been great. But the idea is to to keep them simple but make them sustainable. And I think that's been welcome so far. Uh, and, and I think our faculty are responding well to it. The other thing is is I can't tell you how many hours Debbie has spent with a gentleman, uh, Will Percy. He is a, a British guy who lives in China and is a, is a lifelong educator. But he has done his doctoral thesis and written books on educational coaching and leadership modeling. And Debbie has just sat at his um, Zoom feet. Yeah. I will say, <laughs> for um, really the past six to eight months and just learning from him and gleaning from him. And now we're putting a lot of that into practice and he's coaching us. And it's been a really sweet partnership. And so Will is a great dude and I love it when I get to hop on. But, uh, yeah, that, that's that been a big um educational change, but also just an institutional change mm-hmm, as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We've never had this position before, and I think what it has all driven us to do is to ask questions about how we can make sure that we are intentional with our student body and with the precious children that are, are given to us. How can we make sure we're intentional with how they learn, um, with how they, they operate in the classroom. And in order to do that, um, our teachers need to be well equipped and, and supported.
0: Yeah. And part of supporting them is to also hold them accountable. And, and that's one thing that I think accountability is definitely not a, a word that we like for ourselves, but we love it for others. Um, <laughs> we love it for our politicians. Uh, we love it for, for those that we see struggling. But accountability is also something that, I mean, I have learned even about myself that I need. I know that when I'm meeting with families and and faculty, when I am getting two great arguments, I need some folks to hold me accountable to what are we really trying to do here. Um, You know, it's it's a it's a tough thing, but I'm around a lot of smart people. And they're very logical at times. And I need accountability. And so as we developed for our teachers, what we've decided to do this year is really develop 10 habits to, to build a culture around. And of these 10 habits, our, our hope is is to really start with this culture that says, okay, when we're going about things, are we bringing our best thoughts? Are we bringing our best minds to it? And so a few of these, and, and we've hit on some throughout our, our teacher back to school week, which is the week prior to, to when... Our students come, and then we'll be hitting it throughout the semester. But here, here are really the 10 habits we're trying to form. The first is simplify and replicate. Uh, we want our teachers to, to definitely be able to strip down. And, and be able to replicate good practices. And so simplification does not mean it's always easier, but it definitely means that it can be better for them and make it easier. Um, another one is be curious, not judgmental. We're throwing a lot of new ideas at them, and that, that comes from a Walt Whitman, <clears throat> Ted Lasso quote. Um, but be curious, not judgmental. We want them to constantly be curious and ask those questions before we, we're, we're judgmental. And, you know, really, if we're looking at that truth, that goes back to Scripture, right? Sure judge, let's not ye be judged. Right. Um, the next one though, it comes from Brene Brown and this, this is from a book we've been reading as an administration. And that is the stare to lead book. And she says, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. Now we could probably spend an entire podcast just on that. But one of the things that I've had to learn and grow in and and see is that so often I want to have a conversation with you and, and share true news with you, Maria. And I'm going to hem and I'm going to haw and I'm going to find the softest way to land that plane. Yep. And then you're going to leave this meeting hearing what I needed you to hear and not understanding a word of it.
1: Totally. It happens all the time.
0: And it happens so, all the
1: time. Not with you. I mean, just, you know, in general in life. How dare it, you. Yeah. It happens all the time.
0: But, you know, and I've caught myself where I'm even, I've even had some hard conversations with people and I'll even pause and I'll say, you know what? I'm not being clear. And I have to kind of stop, take a deep breath, and then speak what I need to speak. And it's not as offensive as it is just truth.
1: Well, and it, it builds trust. And that, that's her whole argument in the book, right? Is that the more clear you are, the more you can build trust. Right,
0: right. Um, another one is SDMD. What does that stand for?
1: Silo Decision Making Disorder.
0: And so often we feel like, oh, man, the school year has started. We've got to make these decisions. We've got to make them quick. And so we make these decisions in a vacuum, and we don't consult anyone else. And then my decision versus your decision does not go over well. Who do I trust as a facu- as, as if I'm a faculty member? Um, and so why am I doing this in a vacuum? And frankly, I, I mean, I think I can f- confess this. You and I have been through that mm-hmm. where you made a decision and then I made a decision and we didn't consult with mm-hmm. each other. And it confuses the stew out of people.
1: Yes, definitely. And so
0: silo decision making disorder is, is a real thing. Um, another one is trust the process. Yes, I borrowed that from Joel Embiid, the Philadelphia 76ers and every other leadership book that's ever done it. But trust the process, which frankly, we're throwing in new processes. Mm-hmm. We have to trust them to see if they'll work. Flip the Script, um, that's another great one, and that came out of a book that our teachers read this summer, uh, Mark Batterson's "Win the Day.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, an incredibly motivational book, and it's a rah-rah, kind of get-up-and-go book for sure, um, but really encouraging, and I think he he really challenges you to say, okay, here's what's in the past, how can we reframe that to impact our future? So not ignoring or forgetting, but how can we reframe it to look forward um, in, rather than just continuing to live in, in the past?
0: Absolutely. The next one, which also comes from Batterson, but also it comes from Chesterton, and that is kiss the wave. And with kiss the wave, that sounds so funny, but it comes from this quote that says, you need to kiss the wave that throws you against the rock of ages.
1: I love that quote. It's such I a good I love one. that quote because who thinks of a wave as a, that's throwing you as a good thing? Right. And, right.
0: And, of course, um, there, there's so many other axioms that we can lean on. Uh, Oswald Chambers has one that says, when you think God's missed the mark, we're too small to see the target. And I think it's in the same vein. But ultimately what we're saying is, man, when we look at these problems, so often these problems are not about the problem itself. Yeah. The problems are bringing us to something way better than we could have ever anticipated
1: Well, and that brings up one of our other ones. Is it a problem or is it a dilemma?
0: That's right. That one's one of my favorites. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's always, first of all, dilemmas just drive us crazy um, because we feel stuck. And sometimes it's easier to stay in the stuckness and safer to stay in the stuckness than it is to move.
0: I I like that etymology there. Yeah, stuckness. Stuckness, yeah. Where
1: does that, is that a Greek derivative? No, I, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Pick that up off the street. Um, But when we stay stuck, uh, it it makes sense because dilemmas can put us in that position where that feels safer, but also asking ourselves, okay, what is, is this an actual problem or am I just afraid to move for some reason?
0: Right. And frankly, when we see students and you see a student whose behavior is, is worsening and worsening. And we say, okay, this isn't just a, a quick fix problem. This is oh the, yeah. It, so often it can be a dilemma and it and it does. It paralyzes us. Versus a problem is something that we say, okay, let's diagnose this. Hey, we can fix this. Yes. And that we can fix it.
1: And the thing that I just as we're talking, I love about the these um, themes that we have this year, so many of them you know, lead into one, to one another. So the problem versus dilemma can lead right back to the clearest kind. Like we have to be clear with, with our expectations and, um, and our ability and our, you know, um, ability to serve. Yeah. Well, and
0: then we have two more and they also come from Batterson and one is wind the clock and then the other
1: is fly the kite. Fly the kite. So, fly the kite. Kite, fly the kite, is really about always being a learner, right? And so he uses this example of um, this this amazing violinist um, and how he never settled for believing that he had he had learned everything that he could about playing the violin. And so it's just a reminder for us to keep learning, keep going, keep progressing.
0: Right. And in the same vein, wind the clock is to make sure that we're setting goals that we are, that really aren't achievable, but they're always moving forward, that you're constantly winding this clock because the clock never stops. And so that we're going to keep those moving forward. So there's this summary of those 10. So again, just for those of you that are, that are um, wondering those summary, I always hate it when a pastor like moves on without you know, summarizing. summarizing. So it's simplify and replicate. Be curious, not judgmental. Trust the process. Kiss the wave. Flip the script. Problem or Dilemma, SDMD for Silo Decision-Making Disorder, and then Wind the Clock and Fly the Kite. So those are the 10 that we'll be working on. And why 10? Because we have 10 months of a school year, and we can focus on one a month. So we're starting this year, though, with Simplify and Replicate. Well, let's let's finally just kind of move on uh, here to... COVID Maria. So that was a big piece of where we've been Mm -hmm. and now let's talk about where we are and then we can talk about kind of where we're going. So where are we with COVID? What happened over the summer with COVID and how have we been starting the school year?
1: Yeah um, so I think everybody would probably agree that we all were really excited at the beginning of the summer and then the Delta variant hit and it kind of threw us for a loop at, at At times. uh, And so we've had to kind of adjust and make changes where necessary so far. um, You know, being in this year, I think coming out of last year, we knew much better by the end of the year what to do. And so out of that, we came up with an operating modality, which um, you guys were all emailed a few weeks ago. And this is really for us helpful because what what I think we've seen is with the the advent of that vaccine and these delta var- or these new variants that may come with that is it in some ways has made things a little bit more complex and so we want to make sure that we are very clear and communicate very clearly how we are going to continue to work with uh, this virus and so The operating modalities help us understand where we are and what we need to do based on how the virus is affecting our community. And so those different levels were put in place because we now know, you know, what mitigation strategies we can use and which ones are really easy to do soon like quickly and which ones may take a little bit longer like for example to go to online learning is a is a little bit longer of a process than some of our other things that we're doing so I think we have some some more variation because we know more which is a really good thing and we're really excited that we can do some things that we couldn't do last year safely um, and then we also very much are holding intention that this virus is still posing, you know, a threat to um, our community, and we want to make sure we do what we can to ha- to help people um, feel safe and be able to come to school. That is always being, always the goal for our students right. to be here in person learning. And so- of
0: that, we have really what we what we pulled out of this was our top twelve mitigation strategies. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of times what we're seeing, and if you walk into a store, a grocery store, or a retail store, really, you've got one operating strategy, and that, that would be masking. Masking, totally. Probably. The second one, I would say, maybe depending on people. So distancing. distancing. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, but we have 12. And and I think I think it's interesting that, that, you know, you were mentioning the ones that are easy to do and some that are that are harder to do, because the idea behind the 12 strategies is not to be political. Our goal is to be apolitical with this. Um, we're, we're not trying to, to push um, any type of agenda or anything there. I mean, obviously, now we're in the second presidency already of COVID. Um, and the fact is like numbers continue to vary and, and I don't believe this is a political virus, but I do believe that the virus has made things quite political. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just as few of those that, that I want to point out, and I'm just going to read these, these 12 to you. We do electrostatic spraying. Uh, we have the option of doing daily health screening forms, cohorting desk shields, which is a quarter inch thick plexiglass masking chapel. Uh, If we're going to do that in person or if we do that virtual field trips, if we're doing it, um, if we're doing it with masking or if we don't do them at all outside visitors on campus, how we do lunch, whether that's in the lunchroom, um, how many kids or grades are in the lunchroom or in the classroom, our overall programming. So things like concerts and special events, if we do those in person or if we do them virtual. Overall large gatherings, which can even be like a parent coffee and um, things like that. And then generally social distancing. And so the goal in our formation of the operating modalities is to put ourselves in really three levels. Um, and I'd and say maybe a, a fourth level, which would be normal. Now, that normal level, we do not anticipate seeing for some time, I would say two to three years. Yeah. And I hate saying that, but I want to be ultra conservative because I don't think normal is going to rebound anytime soon. But what we decided was, okay, let's look at level one, level two, and level three. Level three is pretty much where we operated last year. And that was if a class quarantined, we'd moved to online learning. All of our chapels were virtual, no visitors on campus. And this year we've started at level two, and then we have a level one. So, Maria, would you just kind of talk about level one, two, and three, and maybe some of the key differences between the two?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, when you look at, um, at level one, we're always trying with this virus to minimize the the crossing of contact right and particularly for our population right now which is not vaccinated which does change your quarantine status um, we have to be continually cautious which is one of the reasons that we've kept cohorting is because we have seen just the help that that is in uh, if we were to have a positive exposure cohorting cuts down the amount of kids that have to go home and so that's really the biggest difference in level one you know we have things like um, in level one we have more ability to to group together um, you know lunch um, in the in the lunchroom all the programming being in person, the social distancing, like where we can do that. We're not there right now. That's, that's hopefully where we'll move. Um, but there's a lot more options with, with level one, with level two, where we are right now. Um, you know, the, the thing that you'll notice probably the most is obviously the plexiglass on the desks and the cohorting. Um, and we already talked about why that cohorting was, was helpful. And, um, you know the the plexiglass is just another additional barrier we talked a lot last year about layers right and so when we uh we looking at this and how to do in-person learning how many layers can we put on um we need as many layers as we could at that point to put on between us and other people so that that we had you know um, minimal spread if we did have an exposure and so level two is just kind of that next layer of of um of, of mitigation And so the difference um, there between level two and level one is you're still going to have some of those bigger programmings like we've been able to have. We're going to be a little bit more diligent about the social distancing, which I think anybody who is at parent night would um, would have noticed that, you know, continuing to do things in the sanctuary as opposed to the chapel. Those are the kind of decisions that we're making right now at a level two um, and then obviously, you know, uh, still allowing our kiddos to go out, um, field trips, you know, those are still possible in level, level two, but because of some of the mixing, right, that you may have in a car, um, we're, we're trying to make some additional, um, let me back up, um, we're still doing field trips, we're able to do those, but that may require some more mitigation because of just the uniqueness of a field trip, getting in a car, going over to some place that has different rules. Um, and then when you look at level three, you know, that's kind of back to where we were last year. And so that's when masks are required. Chapels would go virtual. Uh, lunch would, would only be in the classroom for everybody. And so large gatherings would, would not be happening because you know the the spread um there may be more community spread at that point and so now we're prepared for that we know what that looks like but we're also able because of of some of the things that have come over the last six months eight months we're able to have a little bit more flexibility um and so that's why we've been able to remove some of the mitigation or adjust some of the mitigation because we have other mitigations um, that are in place that you know maybe aren't aren't necessarily yeah um, and
0: one of those that, that I would say is most prominent for us is a cold plasma generator yes um, that sounds kind of like fancy you know Marvel comics type of of language but what it really does is it's pumping fresh air through our classrooms just like we are outside um, and that that's a very um, you know cursory definition of it but it's a pretty phenomenal thing that we have and we're blessed to have it
1: and I've seen one restaurant advertise for UV air filtration and like on the, yeah. in there, um, it's, it's right. It's really close to Kirk, one of those um, restaurants. Most people don't have that. right? And that's been a huge benefit for us. And it's one of those things that you don't see, but we can, we can tell is making a difference um, in our transmission. So, yeah.
0: And, and that, that's been a blessing, but we still want to be vigilant.
1: And I will say, aside from all of this, the number one helpful mitigation for us is to keep kids home when they are sick.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself.
1: Hands down, the most important thing that you can do. We cannot wait to see those kiddos back when they are healthy and when their symptoms have minimized. But that is the thing that is the most important, is keeping kids home when they're sick, when they're sick.
0: Absolutely. If it's ever a question, should I or should I not send them? If you're asking the question, don't send them. And and I get there's so many other parameters that go into a, a life and a job and, and things that you have, but it, you couldn't be helping us for the long run more because you're looking at maybe one, maybe two days of staying home for your family, which would prevent two weeks at home for your child and their entire grade by sending them. So um, that that's a huge piece. Definitely. Um, you know, and the other thing that I want to mention in these modalities is we have the level one, two and three. Our goal is to announce um, each week in the Highlander Highlights is to have a link for, for you to access what level we're in and how many cases we have on campus and you know right now we're in level two we've had zero cases but it's early in the year and we will have cases mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be a part of it uh, we're gonna we're gonna manage that as best we can and, and lord willing um, with great safety and efficiency but i would say the other side is we're not looking at certain numbers and thresholds to say okay what should we go to to level three or how much do, do we need to get to before level three and a lot of that is because what we learned last year was you could have two to three kids in a grade, and you know that that might be a really high percentage for that particular grade, and two to three kids might be a lot lower for, for that. So we don't want to just say, okay, our thresholds 25 percent or our thresholds, you know, five percent, because we know that sometimes those kids, it might be two kids are out this week, but they're coming back from quarantine. And there's just a lot of variables into you, when they can come back to campus.
1: There's a lot of variables, and two, we want to keep as many people in the building as we can, and we can confidently say that we know the interaction between a sixth grader and a and a kindergartner or first grader is almost zero. Right. And so, and that's why cohorting is so important. That's why we've continued to keep carpool, and because it works really well in the classrooms, is because we are trying to minimize those high risk areas. And I think that's kind of the way to think about it: is we want to, we're still trying to minimize the high risk, uh, you know, parts of transmission. That's one of the reasons, you know, classroom lunch. We we looked at that, and um, you know, there are um, different levels for classroom lunch in our modalities because that's an area of potentially higher transmission because you're so much closer to people and um and and are you know not behind your plexiglass so um so yeah those are some of the things that we continue to learn we continue to evaluate this process on a regular basis and we'll continue to stay um you know, informed about, about what's going on in our community and around us. And you and I are on a call every other week, um, with those numbers and with what other independent schools are doing. And those are super beneficial for us to get a, a wider picture of just what's, you know, what's happening outside of the little bubble of Kirk Day school.
0: Absolutely. All right. Last thing, where are we headed this year with podcasts? Cause it's not just going to be about COVID.
1: Oh, thank God yeah so um we did some chatting and uh, i think both of us have um, a heart for understanding and and uh, studying theology Um, and so we're going to try and and help you guys understand um, how to make these you know bigger theological questions a little bit more age-appropriate um, knowing that our population are these little kiddos, um, how do we how do we answer theological questions to somebody who you know is seven years old?
0: It's funny you say that. Uh, you did not know this uh, for the record, because um, but last night at dinner, my seven year old asked me why did Adam and Eve sin. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I'm sitting there not paying any attention to life, and I was like. Oh, and he, then we, we unpacked it, and he said, so let me get this straight. If Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, would I have to go to school? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, boy. Um, yes, wow, I did all not go to school for that. <laughs> I did not go to seminary um, at all. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that being said, you know, you're, you're hit with these questions as parents, and we want to love these kids, but I think one of the things that, that we see so well, at least from our seed, is when parents take the time and do the research and they they put some effort towards answering those questions you're just prepared in those moments and it makes for some sweet conversations that help develop that child and help them lean into the lord instead of lean away from the Lord. yeah
1: yeah where there's freedom to ask questions we have the freedom then to lean in and um you know one of the things you'll hear us talk about in this series is just kind of that dripping of that theology right or and and the and honestly, it's the Bible, right? That's um, that's what we're dripping, but a, a Christian belief system, um, and Christian worldview, and, and that that comes in drips. That doesn't come in one conversation at dinner, but that comes in many conversations. Mine tend to happen in the car. I don't know why. I mean, yeah, that that's typically when Millie's questions come up. You know, Our,
0: ours happen at the dinner table or bedtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, so anyways, we're gonna dive into that, and we're excited. Um, and see where that goes
0: it's going to be pretty cool so all right well parents thanks again for listening we're super grateful for you guys and we appreciate you trusting us so until next time we will see you soon